Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Scott? Doing fantastic. Uh, still getting through you know, these changing temperatures here in the Atlanta area. They get us every year. So we're fighting through some, some uh, head colds, I think. Uh-oh. That's going to take some editing and post. <laughs> it might. It might. But you know what? What uh, helps clear my head is outstanding thought leadership from folks making it happen across global supply chain. That's exactly what we have here today, Greg. So nice segue. That's hey, beautiful. <laughs> we've done this a time or a thousand, right? <laughs> Today's episode, we're going to be interviewing a couple uh, business leaders from an organization that helps the world's top brands solve some of the most complex problems in supply chain, inventory, omni-channel, and more. So stay tuned, Greg, and all of our listeners, for what promises to be an intriguing and informative conversation. Greg, you ready to go? Let's do this. All right. Well, with all that said, I want to welcome in our featured guest here today. We have Rob Schaefer, Vice President, TMS Sales with Manhattan Associates, and his colleague, Greg Lanyard, Product Management Director for TMS as well. So Greg and Rob, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be here. It is great to see you both. We've enjoyed our warm-up conversation that we always have. Those are some of the, the best conversations. we got to record more of those, Greg. We know where these cats are from, for sure, right? <laughs> That's right. We got, New York we got and a, Pittsburgh in the house. <laughs> the OG of TMS, uh, the TMS world, which, Greg, you alluded to in recent years, has blown up tremendously. But also, sports-wise, uh, we know that Greg is a big-time Yankee fan. And I think Rob, he's in Columbus, but I believe he's a big Pirates fan, I believe. We're going to dive deeper into that, Greg. Sound good? Yeah, that's right. Let's find out Let's find out the important things, like the food they eat and the teams they root for. <laughs> and the music they play. But all, of, right. that, all of that aside, really appreciate uh, the time we've already spent with Rob and Greg. So let's get to know you both first. So let's start with you, Rob. I would love to know where you grew up, and you got to give us the goods on Rob Schaefer's upbringing. Uh, well, I grew up uh, in a small suburb outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right? So kind of a blue collar upbringing, very mm. much so, right? When I was growing up in Pittsburgh, it was still very much a, uh, an industrial city. That's kind of made transition over the years since then, but that was kind of my upbringing. I grew up with a, uh, a speaking of sports, a very good football team in the 70s. Okay. Uh, so we can transition from the Pirates and head straight to the Steelers if you'd like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's iron, good. That's fine. That's right. <laughs> the Iron Curtain, right? Yeah, that's Steel right. Curtain. <laughs> Steel Curtain. Sorry. <laughs> iron Curtain was the Soviet Union. That's right. They, they, they played a pretty good defense, too, but you're referring <laughs> to, <laughs> to the 70s when the Steelers dominated Terry Bradshaw, and they won, they won what, two or three Super Bowls, right, Rob? Yeah, that would be four back four. then. Yeah. Yeah. So They beat uh, everybody. It was a great time to grow up in Pittsburgh and to be a Steeler fan. And so, you know, I kind of grew up with that blue collar work ethic, you know, the Steeler, I'm very much a, a team sport guy. And I think that has served me extremely well in, in not only the sales career that I, uh, I chose, uh, but also in supply chain, right? Because uh, supply chain is very much a team sport. 
as I think we're all realizing now if we didn't realize before, right? So um, I think uh, my background has helped me with that and uh, helps me relate to folks and the issues and the problem solving that we're all working on now. So that's kind of who, who I am and where I come from. Rob, that's a beautiful answer. And one quick follow-up, food. When I, th- I think of Pomani Brothers, oh, I think it is. Pomani Brothers, yeah. Pomani yeah. Brothers. What, what, what was, uh, from a food standpoint, when your family you know, broke bread, what's one thing that was part of your upbringing that you wish you could go have it for lunch today? Oh, that's that's an interesting question. <laughs> Frankly, as a kid, I probably lived on cheeseburgers. <laughs> I, I really did still do today. I, I do appreciate a good cheeseburger and fries. Right. I try to stick stay away from it as much as I can these days. But uh, that was always my go to. Love it. All, hey, all all in moderation. You, we, we can certainly enjoy it and splurge from time to time. I love that answer. And I love a good cheeseburger. Let's switch over to uh, you, Greg. Let's talk about where you grew up and in just like Rob did. You got to give us the goods on your upbringing. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so I actually am in Pittsburgh, as you mentioned, but I grew up in central Jersey, often uh, unknown to, to most because you typically hear folks from North Jersey or South Jersey, but I was from central Jersey and the town was called Woodbridge and it's sort of right where the turnpike and the parkway cross. So a lot of people have been through it, but that's, uh, that, that's where I was from. And, you know, I, I often look back and say, you know, it, it was the ideal place to grow up. I was 30 minutes south of New York City. So uh, hop on a train and, and be in New York in the big city for, you know, uh, all that excitement. Uh, or I could hop on the same train and be south and, and on the Jersey Shore. Sure, uh, yeah. 30 minutes down below, right? So it was pretty ideal for a kid to grow up in, in that area. Got to see the world a little bit. <laughs> Man. Well, did your folks, at, you know, when you were still a teenager or maybe even younger, they let you jump into on a train and head in New York City on your own? It, it, that's exactly what we did. And it's incredibly crazy because I'd never let my kids do what we did before, you know, when we were growing up. But yeah, that was it. I mean, it was about $7.50 to hop on a train and you could wow. be in Madison Square Garden in, in 30 minutes. So we got to watch all the Big East tournaments, right? In high school, we got to go see the Rangers play. And, and the same thing heading south. We would just grab our, you know, 20 bucks and a towel and, and spend the day on the Jenkinson's boardwalk in the beach. It was fantastic. <laughs> it's a great life. Sounds like it. I wish we could go back. Uh, all right. So one quick follow-up, and then I'm going to pass baton to Greg as we get down to business. So we've established Rob, of course, Big Steelers fan. They had the glory years. And, and, you know, they've won, obviously, a couple Super Bowls since the 70s and those legendary teams. In baseball, you're a big Yankees fan, I believe, Greg, right? So, yes, definitely grew up a Yankee fan. When I moved to Pittsburgh, I will say, tried to, you know, take on the home team. Very difficult thing to do here. <laughs> it is. But, uh, yes, uh, the glory days of, of the Yankees growing up were, were certainly fun. And Don Mattingly was my guy. Uh, being a lefty myself and, uh, you know, got to see a lot of games at Yankee stadium, the old and the new. Oh, I love it. Well, you know, the bad years make the good years all that much more special. And sounds like both of y'all have some athletic prowess that we'll have to uh, touch on maybe in a follow-up episode, but uh, uh, welcome to you both. And Greg, where are we going next with Rob and Greg? Well, eventually you guys had to quit hanging out at ball, gar- ball games in the beach and get a job. So I'm curious you know, you you both landed at Manhattan now, but I'm curious, maybe a couple of, of different roles or job experiences that you had that just really impacted you. Greg, let's 
start with you. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I think looking back across my career, you know, my, my first job out of school was to be a TMS consultant, right? Transportation management system. I basically was trained on how to use one of these, you know, software applications. And, you know, within like two or three months out of college, I was jumping on an airplane and, you know, training folks at, at companies that were doing very manual processes. And I, I really, you know, look back at that and I just got a great sense for how companies operate, the different levels of complexity or, or not that they were, you know, uh, managing their, their operations. And it was, a, it was an eye-opener, right? And it was great sort of for me, not only to see, you know, corporate-wide uh, how companies operate, but man, I got to, you know, travel a lot on the company's dime around the globe uh, to, to see cities that, you know, I, I, I loved and I got back to over the years. So a lot of, a lot of great things came out of my first four years uh, out of school and, and traveling around the world and, and, and meeting folks and seeing how companies operate. It was, it was pretty, pretty lucky, I think. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this, but the fact that it just happened to be supply chain management, you know, and it was just starting to take off there. That, that's sort of the other side of things that, uh, still there today so it tells you a lot of uh you know how things have progressed well we were joking pre-show about you being ogs of of tms and i mean <clears throat> if you started straight out of college you you are legit a made man <laughs> so so i'm curious as you kind of traveled around the world any people or experiences or places that where you had that kind of eye-opening eureka moment something that just really shape the way you look at things today? Yeah, certainly a, a lot of, you know, just comparison and contrasting of, you know, small to large companies and how they operated and, and you know, globally from South America to Europe to North America, sort of where folks were on the sort of progression scale of supply mm -hmm. chain. But, you know, back then we were having to explain what supply chain management was and why software was sort of a, you know, important part of that. And kind of the cool thing now is we really don't have to do that much anymore. It's, it's big enough and in the news and, and all of that, that folks uh, understand it and appreciate it. But I, I would think, you know, I, I, I'd say that the sort of the eureka moment for me that this thing called supply chain management was legit was probably back in like 1997, 98, when I was starting to think about, you know, getting off the road from that consulting gig and, we had all of these at the time, what were the big five consulting firms, you know, the Arthur Andersons, the Deloitte and Touche, PricewaterhouseCoopers, all those guys, they were beating down on our doors to get a piece of, you know, that supply chain pie. And they all wanted to partner with us. They all wanted in on our projects. And, you know, they were very, very well-respected, large companies right. out there that were investing heavily in this space. And I think, you know, for me, that was sort of that, that moment where I said, yeah, this, this has got some staying power. That's, that's really interesting. That's about the time that I got into technology is around 95, 96, 97. So really interesting. Well, Rob, while, while Greg was gallivanting around the planet, I sense that your kind of rise through careers and supply chain was a little bit more knuckle busting, maybe, uh, maybe blue collar, as you said, kind of talking about your Pittsburgh upbringing, but tell us a little bit about how you got into supply chain, TMS, or and maybe some of the folks or the roles or the people 
who kind of helped shape your worldview? Sure. Um, so I've been in, in sales for about 36 years. Um, and I've been in software sales for the last probably 23. And I got into supply chain um, probably about 17 years ago, right? So up until about 17 years ago, my view of the world was probably still more, you know, small town focused, right? Didn't really appreciate the larger, how big the world is, and frankly, now how small the world is. So when I got into supply chain software about 17 years ago, I was doing both planning and execution and then was introduced to, you know, multinational companies and was able to understand, you know, how long these supply chains are, right? And how small the world is and how everybody around the world faces the same problems, right? I mean, this isn't US centric type stuff, right? I mean, everybody is waking up around the world trying to get their job done faced with very similar problems with certain nuances by country or by industry, that sort of stuff. So, so I learned to appreciate being in supply chain software how this really is that team sport that I was talking about before and how, you know, disruptions here or there have, you know, uh, very long uh, and far reaching consequences type of thing. But, you know, all those consequences and problems that I've been trying to solve for people for 17 years have really kind of been, you know, company specific or industry specific, those sorts of things. And then when you ask the question about, you know, that eureka moment, I mean, frankly, mine has been with this pandemic, right? Because, because everything, you know, I've tried to do in the past is really, as I said, been industry or company specific. Now it is, it's, it's literally global. I mean, people talk about this perfect storm and, and you finally, you know, I've come to the, the realization of how fragile this whole supply chain thing is, right? I mean, again, before, if there was a disruption that only affected a certain industry or a certain port or whatever, right? I mean, it was, it was rather minimized. It was a big deal for the company that was experiencing it. But what we're going through now is just, I mean, literally, it's global across, you know, every facet of supply chain. So really, you know, this has been my eureka moment to really, truly understand how really important supply chain is and the ability to, to, to manage it. Hey, really quick, Greg, if I can butt in 36, 23, 17, Rob, you've got a, at least one book in you. I bet you've got stories coming out your ears that would make a Hollywood blockbuster. Any, any thought of ever, you know, documenting some of those experience? No, actually, no, I got to protect the innocent. I think <laughs> maybe, maybe someday when I retire, I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. I bet your family benefits in the meantime. Uh, yes. Yeah, they get to hear a lot of stories around the table. Is that what you're thinking? Yes. I bet they love that. Well, they they actually want to meet everybody, right? Because they just hear me talking to people like on Zoom and Teams and they hear the names and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, they don't get to meet anybody. So someday. Love it. Well, so interesting. Actually, that was actually the inverse of what I expected. I mean, Greg, you've actually been in supply chain longer, right, Rob? came from other industries, which is a good thing, I think. I'd be curious, Greg, what your perspective is, but I think it's really good that we're getting a lot of people from outside supply chain into the craft because it gives us all these new perspectives, some of them really naive perspectives, which you need to make big jumps in progress. So just curious, what's your kind of take on that, Greg? Yeah, I, I agree, Greg. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the supply chain space, you know, it, it's is a space where you know you have to 
know a little bit of finance. You have to know a little bit of, you know, marketing. You have to know a little bit of, you know, everything. So uh, there's so much that it touches in an organization, you know, when you cross supply and demand, purchasing and procurement, right? There's so many functions in a company, packaging, right? And not just shipping and warehousing. There's so many areas that it touches that I think, you know, to, to, to bring folks in, listen, it's, it's a, it's a pretty pragmatic and practical problem that we're trying to solve as a whole, right? It's not easy, but you know, it, it's kind of find folks who are problem solvers. You know, I certainly we, Rob and I work with a lot of engineers here, you know, software engineers like to solve problems and, and you know, that's what we do. So finding folks that are, are, are good people, persons that are problem solvers, uh, you know, there's a, there's a general uh, fit in supply chain management for, you know, those types of folks. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that's a, that's a great perspective. All right. So eventually you guys both landed at Manhattan and Rob, since you dropped the F word fragility, I want to start with you about what, you know, what it is your role is in Manhattan, because I think that's a great perspective. That's, you know, we talk a lot about resilience and I think that's the optimistic viewpoint of what we really need to be thinking about, which is the fragility of the supply chain, which is you in your sort of epiphanal moment, you recognize and it's interesting that you chose that word kind of to identify the the state of the supply chain, which is constant, right? It's not new, you know, for those of us that have been doing it forever. It's not new that the supply chain is fragile. It's it's just new to the rest of the world. And I think it's new to those of us who are relatively new to supply chain as well. So tell us a little bit about what you do at Manhattan and, you know, kind of some of the problems probably in regard to that fragility that you're seeing, Rob. Sure. So so I'm kind of like the, the chief uh, TMS evangelist here at uh, Manhattan, right? I mean, that, that, that's my thing. I talk to uh, customers and prospects every day. And what I try to do, um, which is difficult for a sales guy, is uh, listen, right, as much as I possibly can. <laughs> You know, as opposed to just throwing solutions against a wall, right? You, you need to understand everybody's unique, you know, what, what part of the supply chain, what part of their process is a customer having issues with? What do they need to address? How do you quantify them? You know, all those sorts of things, right? And, and once we understand that, then it's, then it's that uh, uh, evangelizing that I spoke of uh, earlier, right? But, you know, when we're, when I'm talking to people, you know, the common themes that I hear in, in this current state is, you know, visibility, capacity, and optimization, right? Everybody is on a, on a different continuum as to whether they have any sort of technology to help them with their supply chain planning and execution. But in today's world, everybody wants that visibility in terms of not just, hey, where's my stuff, right? But visibility into, you know, capacity, right? I mean, you know, people have contracted rates, but they're not being honored or, you know, loads are being declined and everybody's scrambling for that container or, you know, that, that, uh, that truck, all those sorts of things. So it's, it's visibility into all of those things, right? Just not where the product is. And it's that ability to go out and find that capacity, you know, with, with this unprecedented, you know, shortages, you know, people used to be able to do this by phone, right? Uh, it, they just don't have enough employees to be able to do it anymore, right? I mean, people just need to up their game in terms of technology and be able to 
automate that search for capacity, right? And then once they get it to be able to optimize all of that and to be able to look across all the different modes and say, hey, I know this is going to be late, right? But I've got to get it there. I know it's going to be more expensive. What's the implication of that, right? And just to be able to automate that entire process and not just within your own four walls, right? You have to have technology that talks to all your trading partners as well. So the common theme that I'm really hearing is, hey, you know, I need the visibility, not only to where my stuff is, but into capacity and benchmark rates and all that kind of stuff. And then I need to be able to use that information to be able to optimize, right, in terms of how I'm going to react to these potential disruptions. And that's what I probably hear the most of. Really interesting, that combination, because I think visibility is obviously, especially when you talk to anyone who's associated with TMS, that's, that's really what they're after, because that's really what was missing, I think, is where's my stuff? And when will it be here? And how sure can I be that it will arrive when you say? And and Greg, you know, this has been a problem for a long time, but we've had people we call expediters or whatever, those people we lock in that cold, dark room who just are constantly making calls, trying to figure out whether it's gonna ship on time, if it's shipped on time, did it make the ship, right? Uh, did it fall off the ship, did it, right? Uh, is it stuck in port? Is it detained somewhere or whatever? every one of those is a, a point of fragility. So uh, that, that those are, that's really interesting and a common theme that people are thinking, you know, people used to think, well, this has been my perspective. So Greg, I'm gonna ask you what you do, but I also, maybe you can roll into the, this question a little bit too. People used to think about optimization first. Let's try to predict what's gonna sell. And optimization was sort of a euphemism for minimizing costs. So I'm curious what your perspective is. But before you give us that, tell us kind of, we know what your title is, right? Your product management director for TMS, but what the heck does that mean that you do every day? And since you are out there kind of in the, in the forefront trying to figure out what the solutions ought to do, I'm interested in what you're seeing in the marketplace today as well. Yeah, sure. So I have ownership of our product strategy and roadmap, that's probably first and foremost. So, you know, what does that mean? It means I work with our customers. I work with Rob and the sales team to understand what the market is asking for, you know, what we need to build in our software or who we need to partner with to bring, you know, better solutions to that customer base. So that's really the, the critical item on, on my you know, responsibility list. But I also have ownership for you know, not only the, the sort of the build decisions, but also the partnership decisions. So you know, who do we partner with? Who do we integrate with? How do we go to market with them? Product marketing uh, is also you know, a big piece of what I do. So you know, Rob is, is the sales guy, but I certainly am also uh, a salesperson for the product, uh, both internally and externally. I own analyst relations as well uh, for the product set. And I think you know, probably lastly, you know, just strategic customer support, uh, get involved in a lot of problem solving on that side as well. And then, you, you, yeah, you, you asked about sort of the my perspective on, well, you, you covered, you know, Rob covered visibility and, and execution, and then you asked about planning and optimization. And, and it's an interesting conversation. And just like 
I, I think, you know, the, the transportation world is cyclical with, you know, supply and demand. So is the importance and the value that companies see from the planning, you know, value proposition versus the execution proposition for a system like a TMS. And it's true right now, visibility seems to be king, you know, in terms of what folks are looking for and, you know, wanting and needing. And that's certainly, you know, as, as we've all heard over the years, a result of the Amazon effect of, of us being able to see our, you know, home delivery shipments and where they are and when they're coming. And, and now that same, you know, uh, need and want and ask is, is part of the business to business world. So, so visibility, where's my stuff, you know, is critical. But the optimization piece, you know, is, is not to be forgotten because the, I think the, the critical takeaway is that both of those are, are necessary components because visibility and where's my stuff and understanding the history of transit times and delays and other things that are happening on the execution side then need to be fed into sort of the next generation or next iteration of optimization. So we build a better plan next time based on historical past, right? So there's no, you know, pushing one aside, you know, uh, TMS does it all. The definition of TMS has certainly changed and expanded over the, you know, the last two decades. And it continues to, in terms of what people want and expect from, you know, our, our supply chain systems. So, you know, I, I think they're both important and depending on where you are on that, you know, sort of spectrum of manual versus automation, you know, you, you focus on one, but you then focus on the other. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I mean, optimization is theoretical. Execution is, is action in the heat of the moment, right? You know, when, when what we've either predicted or didn't predict actually happens and how you respond to that. That's right. I, I mean, listen, there, there's no getting away from the fact that transportation planners, you know, operations folks are going to be firefighters, right? They've always been firefighters. They're always reacting to change and trying to do the best they can. But, you know, when you bring software and systems into the picture, then they're there to help and to enable, you know, better planning and hence better execution. Yeah. And learning from that past, I think that's an important point that you raised there is, yeah, you know, we saw this happen. We've seen this happen a lot. We need to consider this more, right, more completely in, in the future. So I think that yeah, and, 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 is and Gosh, I don't know if we want to go there, but right, I mean, there's so many, there's so much better information available to the planning process today than there was 10, 20 years ago, right? You can yeah. incorporate a lot of that history, a lot of data points into the, the plan that you know, again, they improve your overall operations. So, and it's a cycle. It's, you know, better planning leads to better execution, which leads to better planning. If only the expectations yeah. from the consumer were the same from yeah. a, a decade or so ago, right, Greg? <laughs> It'd well, be all easy. Consumer's eyes, right? I mean, now, I mean, first of all, before 2020, 95% of people didn't know what supply chain is. And I can tell you that for certain, from sitting down at dinners with people and they'd say, what do you do for a living? And I would say supply chain and their eyes would just completely glaze over. They didn't even ask what it was. Oh, you're in the jewelry business. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I've got a lot of friends telling me to fix all the problems right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and everybody's <laughs> an expert now, Greg, aren't they? Yeah, or they expect me to be, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so is as Rob mentioned, you know, those three things, are there other big problems? Because I know you see it probably from a little bit different perspective than Rob, though I'm sure <laughs> tightly coordinated. But are there other big issues that you're seeing out there in supply chain that jump out at you? Yeah, I mean, you know, there are, right? I mean, listen, what we're trying to do is we're trying to simplify operations. We're trying to help people make more intelligent, better decisions. Um, we're trying to provide an infrastructure to be adaptable, right? Because as was noted, change happens, right? And it's going to continue to happen. It's going to continue to happen at a faster pace than it's happened before. So, you know, all of the things that we try to do are, you know, enhancing that. At the end of the day, we're reducing transportation costs, we're improving service, we're improving collaboration and connectivity, which is, you know, something that, you know, is, is critical to, you know, operations, transportation specifically, right? We deal with our carrier base, right? We have to interact with them on a constant basis. We deal with a supplier base that we have to interact on a constant, interact with on a constant basis. So, all of those things, you know, are are, are critical in, in the world of you know inbound and outbound transportation. So, yeah, we're we're trying to you know address and, and solve all those problems, and, and they're constantly changing problems. So, sorry, I left you guys speechless. That's no, it, it, well, <laughs> you are poetic as you as you walk through these problems, there, Greg. Very nicely put. There's so much to, to talk about in an hour long conversation, and that that's usually the challenge we have. I want to bring Rob back in. You know, we're talking about problems that Manhattan Associates and y'all's team are helping to solve. And, and Rob, as you stated earlier, the three things you're hearing about all the time, visibility, capacity, and optimization. I think I got those three, right? Right. Good things yep. come in threes. So, so in, a, in a second or two, we're going to move into kind of going more global. You know, what are some of your observations when you, when you survey global supply chain, but, but, your final comments, Rob, when it comes to the problems that you and your and the team are helping customers solve. Well, like I say um, we're we're meeting with as many you know customers uh, as we can, right? Listening to their individual issues um, and trying to make the appropriate recommendation based upon what those issues happen to be, right? So some of them might just be that visibility, some others might be the optimization or capacity. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically what we're doing every day and everybody is somewhat unique, uh, but in today's situation, we're, we're sharing a lot of the same problems. Wonderful. Okay. And no shortage of problems uh, for sure. Let's talk about then, I want to shift gears a bit. And, and now that we've got a better sense of what you and the Manhattan Associates teams are doing, some of the types of problems uh, you're solving, some of what uh, your customers are seeing. Let's move into your observations. When, when you, when you uh, take a step back and you survey this really uniquely challenging environment that we're all navigating through right now in 2021, you know, we've heard it put as uh, the supply chain squeeze. And unfortunately, as much uh, despite all of our desires to Greg, two G's to problem solve, right? And fix it, it's going to persist for the foreseeable future. Many folks are saying, you know, through 2022 and beyond. You know, certainly some of these core elements that are really systemic, but whether it's some of these challenges or just other industry observations, I'd love to, to, to uh, kind of open up the top of your head and peer into your mind and see where, you know, what is keeping you up at night or where you, where are you, what are you tracking more than others across the landscape? And Rob, I'm going to stick what? with you for a second. 
what are you looking at when you, when it comes to global trade? So, you know, first at this point in time, I guess where we are in this, uh, uh, the issue that we find ourselves in, right. And we've, we're kind of, I hope we're getting past it to a point, right? But at first it was just, how do you react to all these issues, right? I mean, the, the issue at hand, how do I get products from point A to point B, that sort of stuff. I think people now are looking at uh, more strategically resiliency for the future. How do, I, how do I plan for this in the future and make sure that I have processes in place to make my organization resilient and efficient, right? And efficient, not only in terms of just how do I plan and optimize from a TMS perspective, but efficient in terms of how do I, you know, get the most and, and use my assets to their fullest extent, whether they be human assets or, you know, physical assets in terms of trucks and warehouses and ships and containers and all those sorts of things. So I think we're starting to see more people saying, okay, this was bad. We're going to get through it. We always do, but we need to be prepared for the future, right? So that's that whole resiliency and efficiency. And then from there, it kind of comes down, okay, well, how do I do that, right? And then that gets into extensibility and agility, right? To be resilient, I need to be agile. To be agile, I need to have a platform that's extensible. Because as Greg had said, it's more than just a TMS and the information that's housed with that in that TMS. It's being able to reach out to your partner base, right? Your visibility players and your digital freight brokers and whoever you trade with to bring as much information back in-house and make it as actionable as possible, right? And then that, that kind of waterfalls right into that whole visibility and capacity thing, right? So we're, we're trying to pull as much information into the logistics system as possible by having an extensible platform and therefore making the organization more resilient uh, and efficient moving forward. Wonderful. And a couple of things I heard there, and Greg White would love for your, your thoughts as well. And future-proofing, very important these days even if it's you're talking the future you're talking about is tomorrow because uh, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring bringing as much within our control as we can uh, which is really important and then what both of y'all have spoken to greg and rob is you know, building that infrastructure that you can't optimize right rather than willy-nilly you're bringing as much discipline and framework and guideposts infrastructure which will create the visibility to what you do address and how you prioritize uh, what you address and when. But Greg White, your thoughts on what Rob just shared, and then I'm going to come to Greg. You know, the acknowledgement of all of these fragilities is the first thing that we, we have to do. And then we have to continually learn from what did happen versus what the, let's say, risk, right, or, or opportunity was. And then start to, as, you know, as Greg Lanyard was discussing earlier and Rob just talked about is take that knowledge and deploy it in the technology. And technology is also a key here. When you say willy nilly, I immediately think of pen and paper, spreadsheets, faxes, faxes. <laughs> things like that. <laughs> but, you know, so we have to capture all of that knowledge and then employ that in vis-a-vis -vis data into technology to help us learn and to continually improve as as we go forward in this crazy time. Uh, I mean, look, you know, the truth is there have always been disruptions in supply chain and old, old, old gangsters like Greg and me and you, Scott, have been dealing with this since the 90s when you didn't have much choice but spreadsheet or or rudimentary technology and pen and paper. Right. But now 
there are a, a number of dynamics at play that should accelerate this. One, the presence of copious amounts of data, right? Things like AI and blockchain, other technologies that do look the learning that we're talking about and then can deploy that. And the recognition by the marketplace, particularly the consumer, as you said earlier, Scott, who's putting pressure on the supply chain to just get it here. Right. Right. Tremendous. Um, and their awareness that supply chain is responsible for that, that it's not some magic black box that just makes the stuff appear on the shelf. And, and they're starting to learn the lesson that they can't count on it to be on the shelf. And when things fail, people analyze and break down systems to understand why they fail. And then they start to evaluate the companies that they shop with or whatever right. as to their ability to perform. And so that awareness that Greg, you and I and Scott and others in supply, lifers in supply chain have been begging for that awareness, that recognition, that those accolades also come with judgment. And we are there now. Right. So certainly. And, and you're, you're illustrating the point of just how supply chains become a differentiator. So the work that, that uh, Greg Lanyard and Rob and the Manhattan Associates team, you're really, we talked about on our on the front end, you know, working with the world's top brands, well, brands that consumer facing supply chain is a big part of what that means. All right. So one, one final con and Greg, I'm coming to you. So Rob kind of shares some of the things he's tracking. Greg Lanyard, I'm going to come to you next, but I want to something that has uh, y'all have been speaking to really kind of hit me as a little, a small micro eureka moment. You know, we're, we're getting through the great resignation right now, right? We've heard that phrase. There's a lot of burnout. Folks are getting out of industry, right? And they're taking a lot of tribal knowledge with them. It, it would strike me that the work you're doing to add the, to, to, to invest and, and implement and provide this infrastructure. That's also a tribal knowledge play, right? Where you're gathering and documenting and digitally, documenting best practices that organizations might would lose otherwise. So Greg Lanyard, I'm coming to you next. Your thoughts around that and then you know walk us through other observations you have with industry. Yeah, sure. So, you know, listen, I I think I if I can uh if I can go back to Greg White's comments, I and and call out a shout out to uh the meatloaf uh, quote back if you want to bring some music into this conversation you took the words right out of my mouth right you guys meatloaf fans you, <laughs> take me back to the heyday but yeah i mean what's he, the tune oh no don't make Greg, us go Lanyard, through that please me. what's the name of the tune yeah that's oh, it you took the words yeah right that's out a meatloaf song oh, that, yeah i thought you were, that, i thought you wanted him to sing i'm it. not a meatloaf fan <laughs> no, i missed, <laughs> that, that, that I missed the connection sorry <laughs> no, no, but but yeah, I, I mean, you know, the the idea that change is constant, right? And the, the 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 thing that we're dealing with today, the companies are dealing with today, and the fact that you know, just being automated, we talked about manual versus automation, and, and just doing things faster, it, it's just not enough anymore, right? It's not enough to stay ahead mm -hmm. of the game. So you know, the, the flexibility, the adaptability and the agility like Rob, you know, talked about is what you need to not only survive, but to thrive in this ever changing world. So, you know, I think it, 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 there's always going to be some level of or close to equilibrium, right? There, there's always imbalances, but getting to equilibrium is, I think that the critical piece. And, and that means, you know, and this was said by Greg as well, 
what you optimized yesterday or how you optimized yesterday isn't always the right answer today because of the changing links and nodes in your supply chain, right? And there's constant change happening. And that, you know, that just might mean origin of destination shipping points. It might mean rates, right? It might be modes or carriers that have gone out of business. There's so many different things that are changing every day. And that's why, you know, as Rob said earlier, you need sort of that infrastructure to be able to uh, support that change. And when the equilibrium comes back around or when things change back to the way they were uh, or changed in a new direction, you, you just have to be ready for it. And, 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 and that's, you know, what we try to do for our customers, certainly every day. I don't, know if, I don't know if that answers your question directly, but that's yeah, kind of what like I think. it. It sounds sounds better than the answer to my question. But <laughs> so, but speak to if you would just you know as, as folks are, as exiting industry, I think of the thousands of reasons why to embrace digital transformation in a meaningful, successful, practical way. Not the cliche because everyone's talking about that or talking about resilience or whatever. I think. Part of that one little one little aspect of that is capturing that tribal knowledge of, of what you may lose. Uh, so speak to that just for a second, Greg, uh, based on conversations you're having. Yeah, I, well, I, I mean, there's no doubt that you know there's a, a good upbringing of talent. I'll, I'll say that first on the positive side. You know, there's more schools as I, as I have a senior in high school right now and uh, we're, we're looking around you know at, at colleges for him now he may not go the the route of, of logistics and supply chain management but I can tell you as I'm looking at the schools he's looking at I, I always go over to the business school to see if there's a supply chain management major because back in the day when when I was studying it you know there, there weren't many and and my goodness there's you know 100x uh, the, the number of schools that have that as a major so the good news is it's it's being represented and it's being recognized and I think the, the challenge is always, you know, convincing young kids that this is, you know, the an area for the future. Uh, I certainly look back and say, boy, I got pretty lucky. Didn't know much about it when I when I chose. Funny how that works, isn't it? Right. But you never uh, get in now, would you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know the feeling. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the I I and to your point earlier that you made, Scott, I, I think you know the, there's a lot of different backgrounds that can be successful in supply chain management. So I don't think you have to study it in college. I think it's great to have that background. You know, I learned the business side at college and I learned the technology side on the job, right? And I think that works both ways. You can do either or in today's world. And I think that for the young folks out there that are listening, there's a lot, there's there's still a huge and exciting future in the space because of the constant change that we talked about, right? Absolutely. And it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. You know, it, there's there's a lot of, uh, there's a there's the ability to be innovative, right? There's, there's not always innovation in the industry. You know, being on the software side, I think that's what's kept me here for so long, just because right. we are constantly changing and innovating. Uh, but you know, I, I think that there's great opportunity. Agreed. Agreed. And, and just think, you know, in recent months, these quick space flights from private companies have captured the world's attention. And as those continue to um, become longer trips and with destinations, it's going to take a supply chain support. It. So uh, that I think that there, there, supply chain impacts everything. And there is tremendous opportunities for folks and, and to our listeners that may be matriculating through high school or college, lots and lots of opportunities. Rob, I want to bring you back in this conversation here as we're talking about 
you know, I, I'm, I'm about to move into where Greg and I, Greg White and I are going to get your bold predictions or maybe not so bold predictions, whatever y'all want to share for 2022. But as we touch on talent, as we touch on some of these industry observations, as we t- touch on some of the things, uh, you know, impacting global business, any final thought you'd like to share, Rob? Sure. The first one is if, if my, uh, if I actually had a working crystal ball, uh, I probably wouldn't be on this call, uh, but, but I don't, but uh, in, in terms of 2022, I think you said this uh, earlier, it's going to be more of the same, right? I mean, it's just the, the, the issues that we're facing are so vast. It just takes time to work out of them, right? I mean, there's no doubt we'll work through it. It's all going to be good, but it's just going to take some time. Right. Um, and that's why we're having this call. Uh, right. So that folks kind of understand there are, there are tools out there that can help them work through the current situation and prepare themselves for the future. But in terms of other things in 2022, I mean, I, I think, uh, as you had mentioned earlier, too, you know, issues create uh, opportunity for smart people to come up with solutions. Right. So you're going to see more and more people working, you know, on the autonomous driving, you know, trucks and drones, and you're going to see much more in terms of robotics and all those sorts of things, right, to, to try to be as efficient as people possibly can be to move, you know, a product from A to B, uh, and to ultimately see the end customer. Uh, so I, I think you're going to see a lot more investment in those types of things where those investments come to fruition in 2022. I, I highly doubt it, right? And that's why I said, I just think that we're going to see more of the same in 2022, but I think you're going to see a lot of uh, shippers out there looking to update their technology uh, to be able to not only address the issues at hand, but those that they may face in the future. Well said, Rob. Well said. Okay. So he kind of, if you notice there, Greg Lanyard and Greg White, Rob kind of gave us a final thought around what's going on out there and then brought in his crystal ball, which I know he has. I know he has. It's a Halloween decoration, unfortunately. (laughs) <laughs> but you know it's so true we're, we're going to see more of the same and and you know same never lasts more than 30 seconds and in an error like we're we're getting through uh just just uh you take all the pain aside take all the challenge aside just how technology is is ensuring that every day is not the same and that's that's that is some more good news greg lanyard i love your focus on good news as you've you've kind of spiked the football on that a couple of times we love good news around here so let's, Greg, you're, when you break out your crystal ball, whether it's a Halloween decoration or not, what are you projecting uh, for next year? All right. So that's a good lead into, to, I think, how I want to answer this, right? So Rob explained it pretty well. And I'll say there's the good, the bad, and the ugly coming, right? But it's in reverse order. It's, it's ugly. It's going to be bad, but then it's going to get good. I, I think that's the reality of the, of the situation. Uh, my goodness, we, we're approaching you know Christmas season, and there's going to be issues and challenges uh, with all the backups happening and, and the challenges that we're just faced with right now. So that's going to be, I think, a realization for folks in the short term, families, kids, all of that uh, piece. That's going to be unprecedented, and, and that's the ugly. But you know, as we move into next year, uh, as I mentioned before, I, I just think that we will start to find that equilibrium. Right? I, I think it always comes and we always get to that point. Uh, We've struggled through driver shortages. We've struggled through port backups, capacity challenges in the past, and and we've always made it through and found, you know, somewhat of an equilibrium. And I I think we will get there. Outstanding. Uh, The next Clint Eastwood movie. 
It's the ugly, the bad, and the good. Everything happens in reverse <laughs> love order, it. Greg White. I, I agree with you, uh, Greg Lanyard. We're going to get through it. You know, this that these holidays coming up and, and in the next year, you know, so there's our hardworking and really smart and savvy uh, supply chain practitioners around the world working to make sure consumers have what they want. However, Greg White, as you have spoken to, this might be the year to look inward and look local and enjoy presence with a CS rather than a NTS, perhaps. But Greg, based on what you've heard, the crystal ball projections here, more of the same, as Rob said, and and the ugly, the bad, and the good, as Greg mentioned. Uh, Greg White, what comes to mind? You know, what really comes to mind is how right they both are. I mean, we've probably settled at a certain level. Greg White has been to the future, and he's come back, and he's he's, he's determined both of y'all are 100% accurate, right? I, I think we have settled at a certain level of equilibrium. Ironically, that equilibrium is the constant uh, management, the constant reflection and deflection of of interventions in the supply chain and the impact. And I think that when I think about real equilibrium, meaning a, a state of stability in the marketplace, when I that's what I think about as equilibrium. I think you know in 2019 we were underemployed in supply chain by 2 million jobs. And supply chain is now infinitely, I don't think that's overstating it. (laughs) It is infinitely more important and recognized within every enterprise than than it was in 2019. And now the entire country, arguably world, is underemployed. So we're gonna have to get people back to work to fix some of these issues, we have to get governments to equilibrium so they stop intervening because aside from government intervention in interventions that have caused disruption in the supply chain, every other disruption in the supply chain is a disruption that we face every single year in supply chain. It's weather, it's shipments being lost, it's ships being stuck in the Suez Canal, which by the way has happened before, freezes in petroleum product producing states like Texas. All of those things are news this year because people recognize that supply chain is important, but all of those happen every year. What doesn't happen every year is governments paying people not to work of the intense and divergent regulations around that that impact uh, ocean going vessels every day, by the way, around what kind of vaccination do you need to be vaccinated? What is the quarantine period? All of those variations create disruption in the supply chain. And I think we'll start to see in 2022 some a, l- a little bit of, of the governments taking their hands off of whatever portion of the body or vehicle that is that are causing those things to continue to bring completely unexpected disruptions to the supply chain. That's the danger is these completely unexpected, never before experienced disruptions. And those aren't caused by the usual disruption sources that supply chain has seen in the past. All right. So more of the same, more of the not so same, uh, tough times ahead, but lots of silver lining here in Greg Lanyard and Rob Schaefer. I bet y'all can agree with us. We've, We've talked about this before. One of the silver linings of this, the pandemic is, is the innovation and we, we don't necessarily love the phrase best practices because it kind of assumes what we've been doing forever. It will always remain the best thing to do now. 
but it's you know the, the current times are driving lots and lots of innovation and i appreciate y'all's part in that so on that note folks get ready because november 18th we're going to be uh, featuring the manhattan associates team uh, on a webinar talking about more of these observations and new ideas for getting through these challenging times currently and what lies ahead but greg lanyard and then i'm gonna come to you rob let's make sure folks know how to connect with you both uh so feel free we'd love to know that and if you've got a final thought i know we've we've, we've run the gamut here today Feel free to share that. Most importantly, how can folks connect with you? Greg, let's start with you. Sure, Scott. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach me, uh, but uh, you can also reach me through email at uh, glanyard at manh.com. Final thought for me, you know, just a, a quick thank you. I think this was a good conversation. Appreciate the time and the topics, uh, the, the breadth and the depth. Good to meet you guys. And Yeah, uh, likewise. Thank you. You bet, Greg Lanyard. I appreciate your, Frank, both of your, frank uh, perspective and thoughts here today. Uh, Rob Schaefer, I want to come to you next. Uh, your final thought and how can folks connect with you? Sure. First, you can connect me through uh, LinkedIn and you can send me an email. It's uh, rschaefer at uh, Um, In terms of final thoughts, looking forward to everyone coming to the webcast on November 18th. And you know what? I mean, the future is bright. It always is. We're all going to get through it. I've uh, been here before, maybe not to this extent. But we're all going to keep working together around the world, and uh, it's all going to turn out. So there's there's uh, clear skies in the future. Rob, I love that, and I gotta uh, you know Greg White. I gotta tell you, I love the team sport where he start where Rob started the conversation and kind of how we reference that throughout. That's one of the best things about uh, global supply chain organizations is the team sport that it is, isn't it, Greg? It is. And I think, you know, one of the other great things about it is the, the evolution of what Rob knows it as from Pittsburgh or knew it as from Pittsburgh, a brute force industry to a highly intellectual industry. And that intellect being driven back in to, you know, improve the still brute force aspects of, of the craft, right? I think it's a great interaction of people getting their hands dirty and people using their minds right. And I, and of course, technology, but I think that's, you know, that's what makes this such a fascinating study in just one segment of business. Agreed. All right. Big thanks uh, to Rob Schaefer and Greg Lanyard, both with Manhattan Associates, both working hard to push what's possible. Next, folks, make sure you join us November 18th at 12 noon Eastern time for more. Uh, and then in that webinar, we'll be able to take your observations, your questions. We'll pose those to Rob and Greg. Big thanks to Greg White for joining me here today. Greg, what a heck of a conversation, huh? It was fantastic. And I got to tell you, it's rare that we find somebody who's been in supply chain as long as we have, <laughs> certainly as long as I have. <laughs> so it was great talking with Greg and, and Rob. I really appreciate all your perspective, a, a lot of years of work and getting into the into the craft and, and helping us make it better. And I'd like to point out to both of you, Congratulations, you made a little bit of money today because the stock, Manhattan Associates stock, M-A-N-H, made me think of that when you guys did your email address. It's up 1.27% today. Hey, hey. So, hey, hey. And we had absolutely nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> lots of innovation, lots of meaningful innovation, practical innovation through these challenging times. Big thanks to all of you. Folks listening in, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation as much as we had. Be sure to Find us wherever you get your podcast from, Supply Chain Now. And most importantly, hey, folks, be like Rob and Greg and Greg. 
Hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you right, uh, next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Thank you.